Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Moments ago, standing together with her wife, Sherelle, uh, in the Oval Office, I spoke with Brittany Griner. She's safe. She's on a plane. She's on her way home. After months of being unjustly detained in Russia, held under intolerable circumstances, Brittany will soon be back in the arms of her loved ones, and, uh, and she should have been there all along. This was the news that broke earlier today. The news that quite simply made people say, well, that's amazing. Because we didn't know any level of deal was in the works. But then you start asking questions about the deal itself. How is it that only Brittany Griner is coming home and not a retired U.S. Marine by the name of Paul Whelan? How do you go about giving up a guy they refer to as the merchant of death in Victor Boot? I believe it's pronounced Boot, B-O-U-T, but it could be Bout for all I know. How do you engage a one-on-one deal? And what is the implications? What are the implications? Because this is far more than saying getting an American back. And I'm not one of the people who engages the idea of, well, she said this about America, or well, she was there doing drugs. You will not get me to disagree that she made the mistake of trying to bring that vape, that cannabis oil vape back into the U.S. Don't tell me that it was medically prescribed. If it's illegal there, it's illegal there. Clearly, this is the Russians we're talking about, and they do nothing on the up and up. The purpose of keeping her was trying to gain a concession from the United States. We do engage these prisoner swaps. Is this a deal that we will lament in the future? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, it is great to be with you. Fred Flights joins us right now from the American First Policy Institute Center for American Security. He was the former acting national security advisor to President Trump, former national security advisor to Vice President Pence, and he is with the AFPI Center for American Security. He is the co-chairman with Lieutenant General Retired Keith Kellogg. And sir, it's good to have you with us. Break down, if you could, having spent time in these high-level conversations, in these high-level positions, what it takes to do the back and forth to make a deal in itself on a prisoner swap. It's a pleasure to be here. I I don't want to claim to be things I'm not. I was actually chief of staff of the National Security Council and a CIA analyst, but I was proud to work for the Trump administration. Look, uh, diplomacy is difficult. Prisoner swaps are difficult. I'm very happy that Brittany Griner is being released, but Victor Bout was was an enormous person who the Russians wanted released. And uh, to, to trade this person who was trafficking cannabis oil and is a celebrity um, for this individual, I think was really an unfair trade. But look, I understand that the Russians want to come out ahead. They want to be seen as coming out ahead. Creative diplomacy could allow this. For example, in September, the Brits freed five British citizens in exchange for Ukraine releasing 55 Russian soldiers. That's the kind of trade you have to make with these adversaries. The trades are never fair. But this particular trade where the Russians supposedly said one-on-one and this has to be the person, I don't think the Russians said it had to be Britain. Brittany Griner, I think they were, would have been willing to trade for more Russians or for another Russian, but the incompetence of the Biden administration prevented that from happening. So, uh, 
want to make sure that I, I start with uh, the, the baseline, though, and an understanding of how these deals are made. Is this the kind of thing where the United States goes to Russia and says, look, we got to get her back. This is wrong. You know it's wrong. It's got to get her back. How do we put together a deal here? Or is it the kind of thing where Russia says, uh, do you want her or not? Who, who in, in your view, initiates the, the conversation? Yeah, that is a great question, and there's more to this than you're, real, than you're aware of. I think there's no question that the Biden administration wanted her released because she's a celebrity, and they wanted to score political points at home. I hate to put it that way, but that's what everyone is in Washington is saying. But what is not hitting the news right now is that this deal was negotiated by the Saudis and the United Arab Emirates on our behalf. They were the intermediaries. We weren't dealing with the Russians directly. So why would that be? First of all, the Biden administration has had almost no diplomatic contacts with the Russians most of this year, which is really appalling. Even in the depths of the Cold War, we talk to the Soviets. This administration doesn't talk to the Russians, and it doesn't talk to the Chinese. The second point is, we don't want the Saudis and the UAE negotiating with the Russians, because the Russians will want something from them. And what will that be? Oil prices. Keep oil prices high. This is a bad deal. This deal stinks on so many levels, but the fact that the Saudis and the UAE had to do it for us makes it much worse. Talking to Fred Flights from the American First Policy uh, Institute. Uh, your your experiences in, in the, the White House, as chief of staff, uh, to national security advisor, the work that you've done here, you've now talked about this being a bad deal twice, but you also said it's good that we have Brittany Griner at, at home. Is it a bad deal because Paul Whelan was not a part of of the deal, or is it a bad deal because allowing a trade for Victor Bout is the non-starter and creates much more danger down the road? Look, I, I, we're going to have to trade bad people to get Americans out of prison. We've done that before. It's not a surprise to me that that happened in this instance. I think he certainly is worth two Americans. That what troubles me is that the precedent this sets, that the Russians set the terms of this deal, and that we were not able to go beyond the Russian terms to find a way to get both Americans out. If the British could do it with their five nationals, we could have done it too. Let me play this for you. This was President Biden discussing specifically how Paul Whelan was not on the table. We never forgot about Brittany. We've not forgotten about Paul Whelan, who's been unjustly detained in Russia for years. This was not a choice of which American to bring home. We brought home Trevor Reed when we had a chance earlier this year. Sadly, for totally illegitimate reasons, Russia is treating Paul's case differently than Brittany's. And while we have not yet succeeded in securing Paul's release, we are not giving up. We will never give up. We remain in close touch with Paul's family, the Whelan family. And my thoughts and prayers are with them today. They have to have such mixed emotions today. Uh, the reporting that I have seen is that the Whalen family was very happy for Brittany Griner and her family. But this idea that Russia is treating the case differently leads one to believe from the president's own mouth that Russia dictated the terms of the deal. Am I seeing it wrong? And how does the world see it? Russia wanted a one-on-one deal. This new story from Biden, we didn't hear a few days ago. We heard it wouldn't be a two-on-one deal. It would be a one-on-one deal. The Biden administration is trying to cover itself. 
because they left an American behind. And, and I mean, it's just typical. When they do something wrong, they lie. I don't think anything we just heard from Joe Biden is true. I think the Russians would have dealt for both of them if we made them a good deal. The Biden administration didn't do that. The conversation leads into the idea of Biden weakness. We can go back to the pullout from Afghanistan, sir, and the absolute failure there, leaving Americans behind, leaving Afghanis who we promised to take care of uh, uh, behind, leaving billions of dollars in hardware to the Taliban, and Lord only knows where that has been sold to. Uh, The idea of doing things poorly, doing things mistakenly, not putting the United States in a best position. It's difficult when you're engaged in this level of negotiation because we're talking about real lives and we're talking about what can be done to people to try and create more pressure in the future. If you are there, you're with, you know, in in your time there as chief of staff, as an advisor to President Trump, what is the posture like? What does the conversation go like when Putin or Putin's team says no, no, no? What is the pushback for the better deal? How does that work? Well, first of all, you have to have a strong and decisive president, a president who's unpredictable, who our adversaries fear. And that was Donald Trump. You may not like him. Your viewers or listeners may not like him. But there's no question that his personality and way of running the government got things done. He got Otto Warmbier out of North Korea in exchange for nothing. We didn't trade anything to the North Koreans. Uh, And he got other prisoners out because he had credibility. Our adversaries were worried what Trump would do if they thwarted him. They're not worried about thwarting Biden. And I think this weakness and the fact that we didn't negotiate this ourselves makes us look even weaker. The world stage, this idea of weakness, talking to Fred Flights. He is of the American First Policy Institute, AmericaFirstPolicy.com. You can find out more about him and about the organization there. This idea of weakness, because when things like this happen, as you well know, there is a view on the world stage. And when you talk about the world stage, you talk about China first and everybody else second. China looks at this. What do they say? Does this change any uh, mathematics they have? about the possible invasion of Taiwan or, or other plans for, for Belt and Road 2025, uh, all, all of their plans? And then how does this play out to the rest of the world when there's a conversation about what is possible for their own wants and desires? I think Biden's weakness has already emboldened our enemies worldwide. That's why there's been such a surge in North Korean uh, missile tests this year, the largest number ever, 75 missile tests. The, the last highest was about 35 in 2016. North Korea may soon test a nuclear device. I think uh, China's increased harassment of Taiwan is directly related to what happened in Afghanistan, our disastrous withdrawal. And I don't think Putin would have invaded Ukraine if it was not for Biden's weakness. Bear in mind, four presidents in a row, Putin invaded neighboring countries during three of them, but not the Trump administration. So all these people who try to say that Trump was weak, he was going to get us into wars, he somehow he somehow had a weak Russia policy. The Russians were worried what would happen if they invaded Ukraine during the Trump presidency. I think your listeners should think about that. Fred Flights, and by the way, the intro I, I read of you was the uh, the bio of Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg talking about you. <laughs> I, you're, you're, you know your bio better than I, uh, Deputy 
the assistant to President Donald Trump, a chief of staff to National Security Advisor, then National Security Advisor John uh, Bolton, uh, and then before the White House, Senior Vice President of the Center for Security Policy, and now with the American First Policy Institute. Uh, Fred Flights, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. I'm sorry I messed up the introduction, but I love the conversation, sir. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Zeldin is not running for RNC chair. Well, that's disappointing. It is. It's wholeheartedly disappointing. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything. TonyKatz.locals.com. TonyKatz.locals.com. You can't have Rona McDaniel and have this level of non-victory and continue. Can't be done. Shouldn't be done. The Republican Party suffers from an issue where they believe that people are due. Well, it's their time. Well, it's their opportunity. This is now their time to run, their chance to run. They they, they do that. They did this with Bob Dole. They did it with, with John McCain. All of that is nonsense. That's not how you win. You win by putting the best person forward. You win by going out there and attempting to win. That's what you do. And when you go, was 0-5, 0-6, however you want to describe how uh, Ronan McDaniel did in this election and past elections, they have not brought the majorities. They have not, they haven't even gotten close to the expectations and they haven't understood how to handle the expectations. And clearly you can argue, oh, it's not about Trump. It's a little bit about Trump. You just can't change the data. You can't change the facts. Well, Tony, it's because of the fraud and the cheating and you won't talk about the fraud and the cheating. Okay. Knock yourself out with that commentary. All I have done is describe in clear, clear detail that Pennsylvania never should have been certified, that you have a judiciary that usurped the legislative. But if you want to talk about fraud in Arizona, you're going to have to show me. That's all I ask. Show me. They did the audit. They didn't show me. In Pennsylvania, they showed me. In Georgia, I had bal- I had suitcases coming out from underneath tables. Yeah, that's a problem. And you know what they did with the governor of that state? They reelected him. But they didn't elect Herschel Walker. How is that? How is that possible? How is it that they elect Lombardi? To be the Lombardo? Is it Lombardo or Lombardi? Of Nevada. Joe Lombardo. Thank you. They uh, I get it confused. They elect Lombardo, but they don't elect Laxalt. How do you explain it? And if you say to me, well, that's the fraud, you're not making any sense. 
Do I agree that there is fraud out there? Yes. Do I agree that you've proven that the reason Laxalt didn't win against Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada, that Blake Masters didn't win against uh, John Kelly, Mark Kelly, I'm sorry, in Arizona, that Carrie Lake didn't beat Katie Hobbs? Katie Hobbs, who sounds like a Muppet. Just fact. And you want to tell me that's fraud? You're not going to win that argument. And I get it. I'm going to get emails. I'm going to get phone calls. That's okay. It's okay. You're going to tell me that the left has quality candidates? No, I'm not going to tell you that. I'm not going to tell you that when they run these communists that it's worthwhile, that these are valuable, important, good, decent people. I'm never going to say such a thing. I'm going to tell you that Americans see it differently. And I'm going to tell you that if you don't fight the way that is necessary with the early voting, with the ballot curing, with the ballot harvesting, all the things I despise, you still have to do it. Just like we've been discussing. We had Kurt Schlichter on the show yesterday. It's funny. He was quoting me. These are the things that you have to do. I I was sharing the other day this clip from, from Newt Gingrich. This, we're, we're, we're through the looking glass. We, we clearly understand the issue. Sure, look, I mean, you, you have to play the game by the rules that are existing. Uh, that means, for, for example, if you want Generation Z voters, you've got to be on TikTok, even if, in fact, in the long run, we may abolish TikTok as a Chinese communist device. It means that you have to recognize early voting. It doesn't do Republicans any good to save their TV money till October if they've had a third of the vote come in in September. Uh, so, And if people are going to have early voting, the huge advantage of early voting is it lets you know who to focus on because they haven't voted yet. And let me just point out, Democrats focus on elections. Republicans focus on campaigns. Uh, Democratic consultants ultimately are paid to win elections. Republican consultants are paid to buy TV ads for campaigns. Very different models. They are indeed very different models. You have to do it the way it is done in order to get the victories to then make the changes. And I think part of that involves changing how that leadership works, which is why I'm unhappy to see Lee Zeldin, the former congressman, I should say, uh, the soon-to-be former congressman, or is he already the former congressman, from uh, New York who lost the gubernatorial race, not running for that RNC spot. Very bothered by it. Because I don't think Rona McDaniel gets us anywhere. I've been saying so for the last month, and I'm not about to stop. You got to change the way you fight. You got to fight like they fight, and you have to never, ever, ever, ever quit. Because they, sure as hell, are not quitting. The NDAA, that is the National Defense Authorization Act. It's going to get a vote. It's going to get a vote. What's in it? What's not? What's going to change? And is it a good deal? Congressman Jim Banks is scheduled to join us to break down what it is in the NDAA. What is it we're going to be giving towards military defense? And will we see COVID vaccine mandates for the military be rescinded? Find everything. TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today.
The National Defense Authorization Act is always a bit of controversy. You'll have those people who don't actually want to fend defense, uh, fund defense of the United States at all. You'll have people who say we spend way too much on the defense of the United States. Of course, the argument on the other side is, have we not noticed exactly how many threats to the United States exist? And how about what we've already done to our military, especially when it comes to the U.S. Navy and the lack of ships? But this year, it seems the biggest conversation is about vaccines. And whether or not the NDAA will put an end to the forced vaccination of those in the military. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, so good to be with you. Congressman Jim Banks joins us right now, chairman of the Republican Study Committee, represents the 3rd District of Indiana, that is the Fort Wayne area of Indiana. Good to have you here. Before we get into the NDAA, sir, the news breaking this morning of the trade, the prisoner swap, uh, Victor Bout for the uh, star from the WNBA, American Brittany Griner. A lot of conversations about not getting Paul Whelan, a uh, retired Marine out. There are still other Americans that are being uh, detained. How this deal makes sense, doesn't make sense. Uh, you Were you briefed on the deal uh, before it, it went down, before hearing about it, the news breaking this morning, and your take on what it is the Biden administration did? Yeah, of course, uh, we were not uh, briefed in any way, any meaningful way on the trade, uh, Tony. So this was news to most members of Congress, like it has been to the rest of the American people. The most unfortunate part being that we left a Marine, a former, a, a former service member behind and uh, and picked someone else, you know, I, for for whatever reasons instead. So not not a not a great deal for America giving over an arms dealer that were, you know, a dangerous person that we suspect will go back to their dangerous activities in exchange, uh, in the exchange. So we'll see how this plays out, but I don't have a good feeling about it. is it normal? Is there a standard practice to which members of, of Congress, whether it be armed services or, or another uh, committee, uh, members of the Senate, would have been briefed, would have known that these negotiations were going on? Yeah, I can't speak to whether or not Speaker Pelosi was briefed on it or Chuck Schumer, the leader of the Senate. I, I have no idea if they were briefed on it. They haven't. They haven't told us. I'm not, I don't expect Nancy Pelosi is going to call me and tell me that she was briefed on it. But she didn't make that publicly known at this point. So if if there was any consultation, I'm not aware of it. Uh, the American people, though, are going to judge whether or not it was a good deal. And so far, the outcry over. Uh, the, the people that we left behind um, is, I think, the, you know, the public is well aware that this perhaps wasn't the best deal for our country. I think one of the conversations uh, that ha- comes forward is what are the ramifications of something like this? When you talk about somebody like Victor Bout, who they refer to as the merchant of death, this arms dealer, uh, it isn't that Brittany Griner was unworthy of coming back to the United States. For whatever people want to say uh, about her politically, you still have an American being detained. You can't have faith in the Russians. I certainly don't. Even though she was wrong to try and bring back uh, the cannabis pen, no matter it was medically prescribed or not, this is Russia deciding to try and uh, engage a pressure point against the United States. The question is to the idea of the world stage. And how does this play out in the eyes of of the world? Uh, We've talked before, sir, about the weakness of the Afghanistan withdrawal. Is it your concern that this deal sends a message to China and to others about 
strength in the U.S., or is this really an isolated incident? Yeah, it's a, it, you said it very well. I mean, I, when I was serving in Afghanistan, Tony, I was there uh, in, in uh, Kabul when they exchanged detainees from Guantanamo in exchange for the, the deserter. I for, even forget his name at this point, but it wasn't a good deal. You said it very well. I mean, the, the world will judge that this was a weak moment uh, of American leadership and, and a weak deal, and they will expect weak deals uh, in the future from this president as well. It's what they've come to expect from Joe Biden. He's the weakest commander in chief, in my opinion, that we've ever had in the White House. And, and this type of deal is another more evidence of it. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd uh, District, and we move now to the NDA, the National Defense Authorization Act, and we take a look at some of the things that are in here, that the defense budget is going to be 8% larger in 23 than it was in 22. We're talking about $858 billion is what we're looking at. Active duty personnel getting a 4.6% raise, which would be the highest uh, rate hike, pay hike in 20 years. But it also shows that Ukraine is going to receive $800 million in additional military assistance. What's the overall take on the NDAA and do we expect it uh, to pass? And will, what immediate effects do we get from it? Yeah, the the NDAA will pass here in about uh, in about forty five minutes on the House floor, and it, it includes a lot of really important uh, aspects. Everything related to the military is passed in this annual defense authorization bill. So, and, and including very specific provisions that are important to the Air Guard base in Fort Wayne, transitioning the A tens to F sixteens, and other matters that are important to our state. Uh, but the the biggest part of it that's, that's worth celebrating today is that it will uh, save 60,000 service members from being wrongly fired due to the Biden uh, COVID mandates on our troops. So that's something that we fought for in the last a couple of weeks. Yesterday, um, it was, you know, the, the Congressional Black Caucus tried to sabotage the language. Others on the Democrat side tried to block this language from being included, but we were able to, to fight back and negotiate to make sure that the 60,000 service members who are still in uniform but are being threatened to be kicked out and fired, that their uh, that their their jobs, their positions will be saved. Now that doesn't count the um, the, the 15,000 or, or actually 6,000 service members who were already fired, and and in the in the next NDAA when Republicans are in the majority in the House, Tony, we're going to fight to reinstate those service members, give them back pay, put them back in uniform, give them a chance to serve our country. That's the next step. That's not included in this one, but the 60,000. And, and that's uh, and that's where the, I wanted to make sure we got to that differentiation. Uh, the the mandate is going to be repealed. That will take place 30 days after the bill is signed into law, as I have uh, the, the information. But it doesn't necessarily bring back those military members who were already let go. And you're telling me that the Republican-led House is going to work to make that happen. Yes, ab- absolutely. Right now, we don't have the leverage to go that far, but this is a win in saving the 60,000 who are being threatened. The, the, the 6,000 who have already been fired, that's, that is our next step. And when we have the gavel, when we have the majority and, um, and we, we run the committee, I think we're going to have a better shot at getting that done.
Let's take a look at one or two other things in the NDAA. I know you're up against time, and I appreciate you, you, you taking the time. Uh, there is the ability or the possibility of Taiwan receiving up to $10 billion in military aid um, over the next 10 years. The Pentagon going to be producing reports on China's strategy for the use of force on Taiwan. It seems to me interesting that we're going to look to a report to the future when China could be engaging an invasion of Taiwan any second. Anytime you you, you turned around, anytime you open your eyes after a nap, you could have China invading Taiwan. What does this $10 billion to, and how does this uh, comport with our acceptance, feel the air quotes, sir, of the One China policy? Yeah. Well, this is on top of what we've done before. So important support. I mean, you and I have talked about the porcupine strategy of China knowing that if they invade uh, Taiwan or try to take over Taiwan, they know there'll be hell to pay as a consequence. So arming them, providing them with lethal aid and support as a deterrence to prevent that from happening has been the objective, uh, an objective that the Biden administration has fallen short in advancing the Trump administration had a more articulated strategy to do this. So, again, this is where the annual defense bill that we we, we spend all year working on is going to pass and go to the president tonight or tomorrow. It will provide more support and aid to do that. But this is where Congress has to provide that type of oversight of the administration, provide that type of um, accountability of the administration to push for these initiatives because they're, they're, they're important that we do. If we don't provide that type of accountability and oversight, then we that we'll continue to see the weak posture that the Biden administration has projected over the last couple of years. Before I let you go, one other thing about the NDAA, which is about our Navy and the building of of ships. Uh, You take a look and uh, the Navy gets thirty two billion dollars for new ships, uh, three uh, Arleigh Burke. Uh, class destroyers, and these are guided missile uh, destroyers. They're built around the Aegis combat uh, system. They've got uh, the massive, massive capability, and the other being Virginia-class submarines. These are nuclear-powered attack submarines that have been with the U.S. Navy since 2004. I'm glad to see the actual building of ships again. The problem is that we need to be a Navy of over 300 ships if we're going to be truly effective, and yet we're not really there. Is this um, a finger in the dam, or is this actual movement to get back up to a place where our Navy is formidable? Yeah, well, we're a long ways off uh, from where we need to build to be to build that 300-plus, um, many of us would say 400-plus ship Navy. So, And the only way to get there, Tony, is through sophisticated new technologies, autonomous uh, ships at sea, on, the, on, on, on surface, underwater autonomy. That's how you build that modern, sophisticated Navy that's bigger, better, stronger than the Chinese Navy. So this NDAA will get us a lot further toward that goal. Does it go far enough? I don't think, I don't think it, it never does, I mean, and, and is one way to put it. But we're going to keep fighting for that, pushing for that. When we, here in, in, in a short three weeks, when we lead the House Armed Services Committee and have a Republican speaker, Republican-led House of Representatives will be able to advocate for those for that position even stronger. 
Congressman Jim Banks represents the Indiana 3rd uh, District, Fort Wayne area, chairman of the Republican Study Committee. Sir, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Follow me down, out of this town. Girl, you're moving way too slow. So follow me down, I'll show you around. I'm surprised so many people made so much of a story over this Jennifer Lawrence claim that she was like the first female action star. Did she actually say it that way? That her role in the Hunger Games was like the first female action star? There weren't female action stars before her? I... Every time I turn around, this is a conversation, and and it's always it's always amazing. These are the things that capture. These are the things that capture people. I'll get more into that a, a, a little bit later. But was that the claim, Kylan? Kylan is is working the show today. Did Jennifer Lawrence? I know you're you're a huge fan. You're as an actress yourself. You've criticized her acting. You said that it's wooden. That she that she lacks uh, range and emotional depth. Kylan, isn't that what you said? How am I not in her spot? I could I, do better than her. Right. That is exactly it. <laughs> that is exactly, exactly. Well, it could be that you're sitting in Indianapolis right now and you need to get yourself to the places where, now look, you, you can it's get discovered anywhere. You can get discovered anywhere in today's world. But sometimes you still got to knock on the door and you got to do the auditions. And the auditions are painful. The all oh, auditions are so painful. You think so? I've, I've done it. Yeah. And it's painful. The rejection can be painful, but being able to show someone your art is fun. Yeah, if if you're fully prepared. Like now, now nothing would bother me. Like I, I have seriously considered, like, you know what? Just get the agent and, and go do some things and try some things. Yeah, I, I'm not leaving radio, but I would go do things. I I, I wanna try and, and, and do things. But it's it then, oh, I have some uh, some things I, I yeah. Not I mean it wasn't too many. It was only a handful, but not I, I didn't get hired for a reason. I totally didn't get hired for a reason. She also does not think that uh, Jennifer Lawrence is is wooden. I don't know. Maybe 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 you do. I th- she seems to 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 hit the very well. She seems to take on characters very well. You'd agree? I would agree. Right. She's I enjoy solid. Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. What would you say her finest role? Jennifer Lawrence finest role. Kylan, actress by the way, available for your commercial shoots or feature films. All right. <laughs> I'm I'm your agent. I'm, I take twenty two percent. Thanks. Um, is is it uh, Hunger Games? Is it Silver Linings Playbook? Is it what was the name of the movie? Was it American Hustle? Mm-hmm. Was that yeah. or was, was or, or is it being the blue chick in the X Men stuff? Blue chick X Men stuff, American Hustle, uh, Katniss, or or whoever she was in Silver Linings Playbook because I don't I didn't watch that movie. Oh, that's the one I was gonna say. Really? Yeah. yeah her her chemistry with Bradley Cooper definitely brought out a side of her that I didn't really see in any of the other parts, and so I really enjoyed how she. Isn't it about like like that. two people who are like 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 emotionally defective and and trying to find themselves? Is is that the movie? <laughs> Finding themselves, yes. The other part, I don't remember that much. Yeah, they they aren't like like emotionally crippled people who don't know how to deal with anything, or or was there something else going on with them? Because I I watching people not be able to deal with their emotions, I could just turn on the news and watch that every single. That's what social media is for. I last thing I need to do is spend forty two bucks and and see that in in film. 
but she did she did she call herself the first female action star? Did she actually say those words? Was the question, or is this just how people want to play it because everybody needs something? Because the idea of an actress saying something that is completely ridiculous or just proving their level of disconnect from the rest of society, this is the stuff that drives people nuts. You're ju- you just think so much of yourself. You're so fortunate to actually get paid to do what you do. A lot of actresses out there not getting paid. Skilled, talented, attractive, whatever you want to say, not getting paid for a myriad of reasons. And you've got the gig. Just, just smile and say... Man, that was a great part. I really enjoyed it. Man, that's a great part. I really enjoyed it. Did she say she was the first action star? Did she say, Kylan? You don't know? Uh, the way that she was quoting, I don't know. Man, Tony, I don't know. What'd she say? Give me the quote. Let me find it again. Read, read the quote there. This is going to be a, uh, a dramatic reading from Kylan. Uh, who, who's running our board today of of Jennifer Lawrence? We should have done this in rehearsal. Is <laughs> is what we should have done here because I could totally see her doing it. All right, what is it? Here it go. Nobody had ever put a woman in the lead of an action movie. That's what she had said. That's- Did she really? Yeah, she did. Look at your face. You'd hit kind her. Kind of disappointing. You, you'd hit her in the face, wouldn't you? That's garbage. That's bullcrap, right? Because- You're like, oh. Because it wouldn't work. Because we were told girls and boys can both identify with a male lead, but boys cannot identify with a female lead. I, you enjoy that. Okay. You and, man. I'm taking notes. Things not to say? Yeah. Things not to say in interviews when you hit it? (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's a key right there. Don't invent things. None, none of that is true. None of that is true. People will watch a good movie because it's a good movie. They'll watch good story because it's good story. They don't watch story because it's woke. They don't watch story because it has this character or that character. We have proven that we don't mind the characters. Black lead, fine. Gay lead, fine. Female lead, fine. Give us good movie. That's all we ask. We're simple people. And then, and then if you could, if, if you don't mind, and, and Kylan, you might want to write this down as your second note, don't lecture to us. Get your award, say thank you, thank your agent, and then get off the stage. We'd like to go to bed at a reasonable hour. Noted for that Noted. Oscar. Noted, right. right. Right, or the Emmy, or the, or the Razzie. Look, I don't know how it's going to go for you. Academy Award. You know, or the Emmy, or the, or the Razzie. <laughs> Listen, listen, beggars can't be choosers. You just take your award and you say thank you. Make sure the check clears. I get my 22%. Find everything, TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today.